you want to have success with other people, if you want to have success with other people, then the quickest route to doing that is one, two, and three on yourself. Okay, so we talked about habit three last couple episodes, which yeah. got we got some good feedback on that stuff. I think it's oh, really impactful. I, I haven't heard that yet. The so principle-based stuff. I'm receiving the feedback right now. Thank you. Yeah, well done, Tim. <laughs> um, well done, so one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, if that's okay, is do it. Uh, I've been thinking about all the things I've noticed you do at a high level, um, and my thought has been, well, you know, wh- why is Tim as good as it, as he is? Why has he been able to build the business that he's built? So we're documenting going from 80 million to 200 million. Yeah, nice. And everything that again we'll entails. So I've been wanting to replicate those things that you do well. And um, one of the things that I know you do very well is one-on-one meetings with people. So sitting down in a room with someone and they might come in with a whole host of problems. And somehow every time they leave the room motivated, excited, clear on their vision, who they want to be, what they're about and they have a plan for going and executing um, and being a better version of themselves. So I'm curious what you do in those meetings and maybe we can try to boil it down into some process that some, our leadership could use in, in their one-on-ones in their interactions with people. Yeah, no, that's good. The first, as you were saying that, um, the first thing that came to my mind was I like it. I like it a lot. So like I the one on one interaction. Yeah, yeah. I've been using a word emoting. I don't know if that's a word. Like, do you emote? Do you right? Do you sure? Uh, Why not? I don't know if it's a real word, but it means something to me. I'm right? not smart which enough to know if it is or which not. Which means it's a real word. Okay. Um, I like to emote. I like to connect with people emotionally. I like to, um, like, I enjoy that one to one a lot. Like, I feel like that's where I really find myself, and I feel like I'm actually like serving the one. Right. Mm. When I love it so. I think that that sets the tone for everything because it means going into the meeting, like think about all you have going on and like you got a one-to-one and it's like, man, I could be doing 40 other things right now that actually need to be done. And I'll probably still have to do it one in the morning <laughs> instead of doing this one-to-one. Right? right. And so like actually liking that interaction and just deciding to be in it, I yeah. think is step one. If you don't, if you don't and your mind is like elsewhere that everything goes really, really bad. Okay. I have two thoughts. My question is, where does yeah, good luck pulling this out of me? Where does that come <laughs> from? So, like the the what when you say liking doing it, I want to know what that means. Um, but first, let me make a, a point really quick because I think this ties in really well to what we've been talking about in habit three, which is putting first things first. Right, the whole idea of organizing and executing around your priorities is actually organizing and executing around your most important relationships. Right, because yeah, Covey yeah. talks about being effective with people and efficient with things, and the world wants to be very efficient with people. So it's like, how yeah. do I do? Th- how do I? How do I maximize this relationship with the least amount of time, basically? Yeah. But you can't do that with people. It breaks against the laws of human interaction and interdependence. But you can do that with things, though, right? So the to-do list is very different than the one-on-one. Yeah. Um, so that just begs the question for me: is like, <clears throat> sorry, there's a couple points that I think are important here. Very ambitious people want to be efficient and get the best return on their time. So it's, it's almost counterintuitive for a really ambitious person that's after the money and after making 
an impact to like at scale, it's counterintuitive to say, well, the most important thing you could be doing is your one-on-one interactions. Do you see what I mean by that? Yeah, no, because it's all sense. about the volume and the scale and the money. And like, oftentimes it, it's hard to connect the dots. Like, well, how does me loving and caring about the one make it so that I can also be impactful at scale? So I, yeah. So two things for me. So first off, um, I'm going to look at it holistically how I actually feel about it. And then I'm going to talk about it logically, like agnostic of like how I feel about the person. So emotionally, how I feel about it is like, I genuinely freaking love the person I'm meeting with. Like I actually feel that way. I'm excited to meet with them. I genuinely want, like I want them to win (laughs) and it makes me happy. Like if I can help them go win, I feel really good about myself. Like that feeds very much into like my personal mission. Yeah. Right. And so that I think is really important, but then (laughs) logically like totally selfishly, Right. Mm. You made a comment to me the other day about like, hey, if I'm going to trade one unit of time, how many units of output am I going to get back for that? Yeah. So like when I'm sitting down with a leader and if I can go take 60 minutes or even an hour and a half or however long that that needs to be for whatever we're talking about. And if I can go, you know, you're just, usually you got someone coming in and uh, you, you may be as their leader, like the only person they can even talk to about some of their troubles, concerns, woes, right? That yeah. doesn't go down the chain. If it does, you have a problem. Yeah. At, at, at best, it goes up hmm. and they start doing that with their wife or their family member. And now they're like, why don't you quit your job? So like, <laughs> right. I mean, so like the really proactive people that maybe are struggling with things, they might, you might be their only outlet for productive dealing with those issues that's mm. important to remember because if they don't have a productive outlet yeah then you're going to get a non-productive outlet because there, there's going to need to be an outlet eventually yeah so logically going in and if i can give them that productive outlet and we can go process those things and leave renewed excited motivated with a plan ready to act how many units of output did i just gain with that one unit of input that i gave Right. I mean, I'm literally multiplying myself just by doing that with that one person. Yeah. I understand it's with one person, but right. does that one person manage 30 people? Right. And then will those people in two years turn into 70? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's really <clears throat> interesting when people get into this idea of like what's worth their time. I just, I mean, how do I know that that didn't just turn into a thousand people in seven years? And I right. just that that's how productive your meetings can be if you want them to be right. And ultimately that's for me, even that, well, for, I think we would agree with this, that the pitch to a leader of it's worth your time to have effective one-on-one interactions because it's going to scale to this ROI. Mm-hmm. That's still like a surface level kind of downstream effect of why we should even care about one-on-one interactions and why we should make them effective because at its core, I don't think it's healthy for a leader to be saying, well, you know, this is worth my time because it turns into this many dollars later, right? Like even that might be a paradigm that would help, would make it so that people miss the idea of why do we care about one-on-ones? Well, because the one is the only person that matters actually. Was like, what, uh, well, Covey, hence the genuineness. I mean, that's right. what that, like that's I, when I even go down the units of time, it's like whenever I'm talking to someone who doesn't get it, I first, I first try to speak to their selfishness so they can understand that. Yeah. So which that is why then, we've been so talking that, about it this so way. So that then they can be open to <clears throat> the, yeah. the, what matters most. It's like you hit on the external desires first. You're right. So that they'll <laughs> be open to me happy to reaching the internal yeah. um, and the meaning and the purpose and, and yeah. that, that kind of stuff. I, I heard Clayton Christensen uh, talk about this when he, his whole theory of disruptive innovation actually at its core is that the bigger a company grows, 
the more they miss out on the actual, the best investments they could make because those best investments are always going to be smaller. So like Warren Buffett, you've heard, I've heard him talk recently about how he's like, we just don't do many deals these days because we have so much capital. There are like very limited deals we could even do that would be worth our time, which is interesting, right? Yeah. But like uh, Clayton Christensen's whole model of the disruptive innovation was the bigger someone gets, the more they overlooked the best investments because those best investments always start at the ground level, the one. And he even ties this to like um, church congregations and other organizations like nonprofits. Mm-hmm. The bigger these congregations get, the more they overlook their mission of serving the one because they start having to worry about these other logistical things. And I, and his, his whole point is like, there's something about the laws of things that be the principles of the universe that dictate that like the, the unit, the one person is actually the most important thing you could focus on. I love that. It's really cool it's and it's very powerful, but that's, you know, I'm, I want to understand what, first off your view on that, which what I'm hearing is like, it's cause you have to love you love them. That's why you do them first of all. Yeah. But then what happens in those interactions that makes them so impactful? Um, so I think, um, I think, thinking about this and thinking even of some one-to-ones that I had recently with leaders, I've noticed that I, let's say I meet with someone for an hour. I'd say my one-to-ones generally last about an hour. Okay. Um, I'll spend the first 30, 35 minutes just asking questions Hmm. and, um, and I'm doing that. I'm actively listening. So like it might start out with as simple as like, Hey, how are you doing? And I, and I, and I, I think I always start with like, uh, first off, I want to know how their families do. I, uh, that's literally, so thinking about it, I literally just did a couple of them yesterday. Right. So okay. I open and I'm doing it the same every time I don't, I'm not thinking about it actually like as a process, but like if we're pulling it out as one, cause I'm doing it naturally, I care about them. So what's the first thing that I'm going to ask them about? Think about that. Like if I really care about them, yeah. where, what am I naturally curious about? Hmm. How's your family doing? How are your kids doing? How's your wife doing? When's the last time you spoke to your mom mm. for real? Like I'll ask them stuff like that just cause I want to know. And like, I want to, I'm, I just <clears throat> genuinely, if I could spark something in them, that's like, Oh dude, I left my one-to-one with Tim and I called my mom. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like well, it could be. And how many work problems are actually not work problems? <laughs> you know, I'd argue all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So like in our jobs, we're trying to help with work production at, at kind of at the core, but well, sorry, no, we're, that's like the, the, our job itself is to, to, you know, work the work production, but it's so much more than that. So like you going in with that context of asking questions about their life, it's like, you're now going to get insights of like, Oh, I see why your performance is this way. Yeah. Well, or they're going to, it's even like, I'm trying to not tell them they're going to discover it. Right. Because it's not. And I can't prescribe like most of the deepest problems I think in human nature are self-solved. And I think that that's like, mm. that is, that is discovered. Like when you really influence someone, I actually think it's actually like therapy. If any of you guys ever been through therapy, right? <laughs> where you're really engaging someone in self-talk where they reach self conclusions. And if you pursue that in a principle centered way, right. With like my job, if I'm the moderator of this self talk, I'm helping them stay on on the true principle path so that they arrive at principle centered conclusions. But my job is not necessarily always to solve unless they ask me directly, what would you do in this case? What would, right? When they're engaging me, that's when I'm starting to prescribe my diagnosis, if I've listened enough. But anyways, 
sorry. So going back to that. Can I pause for something yeah, really fast? And just to make a note of this, we can keep it in or cut it out. But like what we need to be doing is determining what processes we want to outline, do podcasts on them, and then have the sales enablement team give us a rough draft after they listen to the podcast. Oh, that'd be sick. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. So. So anyways, so, so the first thing is I genuinely actually am caring about them. So naturally I like want to actually know how they're doing. Cause I, my job is to serve them, right? My job is to take care of them. Wow. And, but, but not, I'm saying it like it's my job because it's my mission. So like, I look at it as like my duty. My duty is to make sure you're taken care of. So before even anything, like, I'm not going to go sit down and say, okay, how's recruiting going? Because I don't even care about that yet. How many, I do how care many, about how that. How many sales reps have you recruited? Who you talked to this week? It's like, none of that actually matters. We get yet. to that in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. But like the whole beginning of it is like, how are things going and where are things at and how do I, and, and then once they kind of share that, depending on what they tell me, that's, and I play off that, right? So like if we end up having the whole session where we're like talking about family stuff that's going on, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, but let's say like family's great. Life is good. Nothing's changed since we last touched base. Then um, I'll get to a point where I say, well, man, how do I best, how do I best serve you today? Like I say that often, like, mm. cause I like, I like how that feels. And I, it, for me, it's <clears throat> I'm wanting to serve them. So how do I best serve you today? And what should we, what should we be spending our time on together? Yeah. And then that will lead into a couple things. Um, maybe they'll be open with me about a problem um, that they're struggling to deal with, or maybe they'll talk about a particular rep they have. Yeah. And how would you go about that? And we'll get into those things. Um, and and then even there, I'll I'm still not like. I'm still listening, yeah. right? So let's say they give me a problem with a rep. Then now I spend the next 10, 15 minutes like asking all sorts of clarifying questions. Okay, well, how's this going? And what have you tried so far? And how do you feel when he does this? Mm. And like really trying to understand. And, and then when we get to the point where I really feel like I've understood and we've kind of exhausted, like, I, like even if I ask another clarifying question, um, there wouldn't really be more for them to add. That's when I say, okay, so before we move into the next piece, let me make sure that I understood you. And I'll say, I'll repeat my understanding of what they just said back. Yeah, because, and you're not doing this, This I've been on this kick, Bjorn will think this is funny because I've been talking about this a lot. You know, Chris Voss wrote that book, uh, Never Split the Difference. Oh, yeah. He talks about when you're negotiating, you want to like literally repeat back to them, what they, so you mirror what they said. It's basically oh, okay. mimicking exactly what they say. It's oh, like, I'm doing it so I can... I just want to make sure we are talking about the same thing. Right. And then that's because what I hear you doing and actually is very much in line with like the principle centered leadership approach from Covey is different than what Chris Voss says. Chris Voss says you should just repeat back to them what they say. I'm like, okay, that's awesome if you're negotiating with a terrorist because they're so narcissistic. They're going to, we are. And a lot of times, (laughs) and, uh, but they're so narcissistic. They're just going to keep talking anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, but what you really should be doing and what I hear you doing is you're trying to capture the feeling of what they're saying. So if someone's like, man, you know, they're talking about their family and they're like, I'm just having a really hard time. And my, my dad, this, and my mom, this, and my brother's this. And you're like, it sounds like, uh, it's kind of a struggle for you to balance the family stuff and everything else is going on. And I imagine this, this, and this, and I also perceive that you're kind of saying this, is that right? So you're like, you're actually trying to capture the feeling of what they're saying Oh yeah. because it's so easy to mimic it back to them and it's kind of manipulative. But when you're really seeking to understand, you're actually trying to say like, no, what is he trying to tell me? Well, I'm trying to, right? yeah. And I'm trying to really understand because also like, so in my stewardship, right? If you fall under my stewardship, I have a duty of care to you. Yep. That's how I feel. I self-obligate myself to have that duty of care. 
And I want to make sure that before I just go spitting out some like counsel or advice or here's what I would do, like, did I diagnose the problem correctly? Yeah. Am I even addressing the real concern? Because sometimes yeah. I'll say, is it this? And they'll go, uh, actually, it's not that. It's more like this. And I'll go, oh, mm. so like this? And they're like, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> and now I can get into the work. Right. And we're the like coaching. 30, yeah. Now we're like 30, 40 minutes in. But now we can say what this is. And depending on the thing, you know, oftentimes I'll, I'll even say, okay, now I do have some opinions on this. But if I give them to you, are you willing to take action on them? Or I'll say, are you willing to do what I'm going to ask you to go do? Mm. Um, especially if I'm, if I'm really certain about what needs to be done, I'll say that. And I do that mm. intentionally because I want them to understand the gravity of that. Like we're having a many meaningful interaction and I also have an expectation like, Hey dude, I'm going to help you. Yeah. We're going to talk about this and I'm going to give you what you need to do. So are you going to go do it? <laughs> are you, right. Are you going to, are you going to give us the catharsis of this interaction, which is the fruit of you actually going and solving your problem? Yeah. Um, and I, and I want that, I want that commitment from them. And I want, I kind of, am trying to get that up front yeah. uh, before I even tell them, because I want them kind of going, okay, now it also makes them listen to what I'm about to say. Oh, mm. oh, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I just committed to do it. I'm going to listen. So it, it, to kind of reiterate what you're doing, then you're, you're diagnosing the problem seeking and, under, and, and seeking to understand, seeking to understand. You're, you're really diagnosing like, well, first of all, is there a problem? What is it? How can I best serve? And you're really trying to understand that from their context because it's so easy. Otherwise you run the risk of just speaking out of your own autobiography. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, tell me what the problem is. And they're like, well, you know, I'm not really building my team the way I want. And you're like, okay, well, let me just tell you what I do. Well, dude, I remember when I was 25, I was building my team. And <laughs> it's I like, here, take my too. glasses <laughs> and put them on and, uh, they should work fine. Right. Yeah. I don't um, wear, I don't wear glasses. So hey, you're a nerd. I do. Okay. Well, my, my, I'm just kidding. my I do eyes are so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so you're diagnosing in a way that is really meaningful in the sense you're listening, you're reiterating. And so you're not just listening to them so that you understand which you are, but you're trying to help them feel you understand as well, because they're not even going to take your advice or counsel if they don't feel you understand. Because what I'm hearing here is like, you're, you're saying this powerful line after you've diagnosed, which is, are you going to listen to me and do exactly what I say? And that's powerful. I'm asking for their buy-in. But I think what I'm pointing out with what you do is you're actually gaining their buy-in already by the fact by that the they listening. feel you understand. Yeah. Right. So, I, so that line is just icing on the cake. And, I, and the reason I, why I'm dwelling on this is because a lot of, I think a lot of our leaders will listen to this and they'll be like, Oh, that's such a cool line. I'm going to use that. But you will miss the point of this practice. If you don't actually help them feel you understand. If you do it really well, sometimes they'll say, you know what, man, I actually think I know what to do. I think I just need to like get that out. I've had that happen multiple times. Uh, probably more often than not, I would imagine, right? <laughs> yeah. If it's anything like those interactions I've had with people. Because often they're self-solving. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, I think that's incredible. Um, I've also seen, I have watched leaders go in and, and really struggle to do the active listening part uh, like Covey would teach. And, and again, for a myriad of reasons, it, it could be because they don't have the discipline to do it and they're, or they're just so into themselves that they actually don't care about the person. Yeah, that's what Covey says is that you don't have, you're not strong enough yourself to, to be <laughs> vulnerable to being influenced and understand. Yeah. Some, sometimes though, also I've seen people really busy and stressed and they're in a different, their state. mind's just not they're in the wrong state to, to do it. 
And mm, so, um, and, and, and that's, that's where I get into, like, I view it as a discipline because yeah. I obviously have a million things going on all the time. I have some heavy stuff that's on even now. And yet I still have to go into that one-to-one and I have to, I have to learn and I've learned over time to be there. Yeah. Be present like to you, let hey, you in front of me. You're the only yeah. thing that matters right now. Yeah. I've, I, I'm not perfect at it. Obviously I make mistakes all the time, but I have definitely gotten much better over the years as I've actively tried to do that. Mm. So, um, what I've seen though, going back to what I was saying is when I see someone who either actually doesn't care about the person, which is a character ethic problem. Yes. <laughs> um, or I've seen them so stressed out. They don't do it when they get into problem solve time, the person always perceives it as manipulative. They feel wow. like they're being sold wow. and they're resistant and it makes them not respect their leader. It, so when I hear, when I'm going through a summer, sorry, I'm like on a rant here. Well, well because people, that guy is usually such a good salesman that he's going to default to his personality ethic, which is the sales <laughs> tactic, right? Yes. The leader, I mean. And, and then that's where, when you and I see sales reps who don't want to follow their leaders, in my opinion, Whoa. 90% of the time, it's this. Hmm. it's this it's anytime they had an interaction with their leader it just always came off like they were being sold manipulated which makes them feel what means to an end yep. i'm here to make money on you they yep. see me as a number i hear that feedback all the time from sales reps on their direct leaders and i but i don't i very like i actually don't know in my entire career here that i've actually ever had someone say that about me yeah and i think that's interesting because i don't well, I've actually asked myself like that. Why? Like, why? Why not? There's so much opportunity for people to actually feel that way. And I do think that like it just comes down to number one. Do you really care about people? And do you take the time to hear that, mm. to hear them, to know them at that level? And I think yeah. that that at the very least, we all make mistakes, but it will minimize that and allow people they'll feel that like 100%, when someone dude. feels understood it is impossible for them to not simultaneously feel loved and cared for. Yeah. Fascinating. Can I point out something here too, which is Covey states that trust is derived from two fundamental principles. One of them is competency. So your ability to be expert at the skill that it takes for whatever your role is. And then the second one is character, who you are uh, as a person and the, in in essence, like your ability to make and keep commitments to yourself and live within integrity of your own values and to true principles. So when, why this is relevant for like an effective leader is seeking to understand, you have to really care about them. That's a character thing. You have to love them. You also have to have the skill set of being able to do this. Like I've been practicing this with my wife as I, at, at night, um, one of my goals for the last few weeks is when I get home, um, and we're up in our room. I put my phone away and I just ask how her day is going. And I'm actually practicing this active listening yeah. and capturing the emotion of what she says. And that's a really actually difficult thing to do. It's super easy to repeat back what she says to me. Right. But yeah. when she's like, man, I just, you know, I had a, a tough day and work is this. And I'm like, I want my gut instinct is like, okay, you had a tough day at work, blah, blah, blah. I want to repeat it back. But instead, like it's hard to capture what she's feeling. And so it takes practice. That's a, that's a competency thing. That's a skill. But you know what's also a skill is being so professional that you actually know what to do once you know how they're feeling and what they're, right? Yeah. So like when you say that line, you're transitioning into now coaching them, which is, uh, you know, are you going to listen to everything I say and do it perfectly? 
that's assuming that what you tell them is actually going to work. And what, why will it work? It's because you're a freaking expert in the thing you're coaching them on. So as we're thinking about leaders, like you have to be care about people and be good at this, but that's not enough. You also need to be good at your job so that you can coach the right things to lead them to success. Yeah. So that it becomes true when you say, listen to me and I promise you it will solve your problem. I love right. That. So yeah, now your coaching that. takes, uh, takes up greater span of influence because you're like, well, do you actually know how to coach them? Are you actually good enough at your sales processes that what you tell them will work? And that's, I think a different ball game. I do a hundred. I agree with you a hundred percent. It reminds me of, um, last night we were even talking about this where I keep going back to, um, you know, again, the premise of Covey is like success without self, excuse me, success with self before you can have success with other people. And it's when someone's trying to gain that competency right in their thing, I, I go back and I'm like, Hey, go do your work and then get really good at habits. One, two, and three. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And if you can go do that, it's usually working on yourself. Like Mm -hmm. if you, it's, it's if you want to have success with other people, if you want to have success with other people, then the quickest route to doing that is one, two, and three on yourself habits, one, two, and three focusing on that and working on yourself. Yeah. And you just find that that's where, I mean, now we get into circle of influence and expanding that and start having success with other people. But like that goes back to hold the, I said in my other podcast with you, right? The problem is me. What did I mean by that in yeah. the other episode? I meant if, if I'm not getting where I want and I'm not having the success I want with other people, whatever those outcomes are, I have to go work on myself to increase my circle of influence so I can eventually become who I want to become and yeah. be, get what I want to get. The only way the problems of our life get solved is if we change who we are. You know, there's, we can't expect anyone else to change. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, th- this is a, I had an interaction with a sales rep yesterday where he wanted to meet with me and normally I'll ask the person beforehand, like, well, what do you want to talk about so I can be prepared? But I didn't do that this time because I, I wanted to see how I could do just like on the fly, basically. Yeah. And uh, I went into the meeting and he's asked, he's like, hey, I just want to know um, you've been successful. Like, I want to do this for a long time working with you guys. Um, what do I need to do to be successful? And I felt myself wanting to just spew my knowledge right there right yeah. well let me tell you and but but in my mind i literally just had this thought of like hayden you're gonna read your autobiography to him that's not his life so like what do you, you don't even know what success means to him so I, instead i did what you just described which is like well you know help me understand like what's driving your ambitions because to me it sounds like you want to level up that's why we're meeting is that right and he's like yeah i want to level up I'm like well what does that even mean to you and then we went on this whole conversation about like Oh, dude. I was like, so what do you what admire, though? Yeah, tell me what it was cool. Out. So it, it, this is really fascinating, right? Because I was like, well, what does success even mean to you? And he's like, well, you know, I just want to do this. He started talking about his summer goals. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, let's forget about the summer goals. Like, who do you admire in your life that makes you want to emulate them? And he started talking about his father, his dad. I'm like, well, what do you admire about your dad? And we went on this whole line of questioning for like 45 minutes to where like I had I did not give any advice on success but he defined success for himself based on my line of questioning and really, really seeking to understand. And then I was like, you know, it's interesting because like, and I pointed out to him, I was like, the reason why we're not, I haven't even given you any advice yet is because if I just told you how to be successful, I would literally just be telling you what I did, but like my life is not yours. And so I want you to be successful for you and what that means for you. But I know there's basic principles that will get you there and we'll probably end up going down the same route. Yeah. But like, 
in or you need to understand that I am going to give you advice for you, not yeah. out of my own autobiography. Oh. And so then that transitioned into, I was like, okay, so I think I got a really cool plan then. Like, let's talk about it. Is that cool? And then by that time he was just like, yeah, dude, I'll do whatever. But it pointed out to me and reiterated to me what you're saying, which is you just have to, you really have to actually care and understand where they're coming from, like their frame of reference. If you try to give advice from your own frame of reference, then you literally won't give them the right advice. That's, that's fantastic advice. I think I more often will go autobiography. So that, I learned something well, myself. I've, I do every time. So it, that's dude. this is an attempt not to. But um, yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's I think we did it. a freaking good episode for today. But yeah, seek first to understand. Okay, thanks, Tim. Thanks.